Turn with me to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. You know, tonight we're dedicating me Katie Ruth Laird. We're looking forward to that. We're going to be praying, holding her up before the Lord and dedicating her real life and her mom and dad, as you know. Her intentions are to bring her up in the fear, as it were, in the admonition of the Lord. And we're going to dedicate me Katie tonight. So we're really looking forward to that. And I fixed myself a challenge. I started right really with young Caleb, it was, and then uh, with Isaac and Zach and so on, could I get a, a message together with a name of the child and, and prepared from the Bible? And Andrew said to me on Tuesday night, the Bible study, you may take Ruth because it's an easier one because Ruth's in the Bible. And Katie isn't. I have a surprise for you. So you'll see tonight. And I, I researched and thought about this. And it's a spin-off, but it's a good one. It's a good spin-off. So we have a surprise for you tonight for Katie. The Lord bless you. Daniel chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell on all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Let's stop there. Let's burn a word of prayer. Father, we sense and know that you're doing something great. And this house has been so blessed by you and by your presence. And even, Lord, sometimes you seem to come in such a powerful and in a mighty way. Yet, Lord, even this morning you came as though gentle, like a dove. And we thank you, Lord, that you did. We thank you, Lord, that you're faithful in spite even of our unfaithfulness. We thank you, Father, that your work will continue because it's your work and not man's. Lord, we thank you that You're in charge. You're in control. We thank you, Lord, that we know that all situations are under your watchful eye. And even today, Lord, as we bring this message to your people, help us to see more and help us to go home encouraged by the wonderful things from thy scriptures of truth. We do love you and we worship you. Lord Jesus, you mean everything to us. You mean everything to our lives. You are everything to us, Lord. And we ask you to be glorified in all that's said this morning. Lord, we do love you. In Jesus' name, Father, sadden your people, we pray. Amen. This is part two of when it all goes wrong. You know, what do you do when it all goes wrong? And sometimes you wonder how it all went wrong and how it will ever recover And how things will ever change. And how circumstances will be different. You wonder how you've let the Lord down or will the Lord even forgive you? You know, all these things go through the human mind and in the human spirit. And we're all wondering, Lord, where are you at times when things are happening? And loved ones are sick and you feel like you've maybe lost your job. You feel like you've lost all hope. You don't know where to turn to. You don't know what to do. 
everything seems amiss. And you know, brothers and sisters, in all of our lives, either people are in a valley, people are going through that valley, people are coming out the end from that valley, and others are ready to go into the valley. A conveyor belt Christian experience is that we live either outside, going into, through, or out the other end of different things in our lives. And sometimes we wonder, you know, is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Is there any hope at the end of this situation? Where do we go from here? What do we do in the midst of it? And you know, sometimes we have to just really dig deep, trust in the Lord and let him bring you through. There was scripture read this morning, uh, and Betty read it, and the Lord says that, that he would bless us in our going out and in our coming in. And do you know even in the valley you're blessed? You might not think it, you might not feel it, you might not be experiencing it, but in the troubled times you're blessed. God is good all the time. God isn't good just when you're out of the valley or on the mountain. God isn't just good when you've come through a circumstance, a scenario, a situation, or a troublesome time. God is good all the time. Even the scriptures tell us when we're in the valley, passing through the valley of Baca or the valley of tears, he's with us. Yea, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, said David. Then he looks toward God, he says, for thou art with me. The Lord Jesus is portrayed as the Rose of Sharon, the beautiful, vibrant flower on Mount Tabor. But he's also the lily of the valleys. Notice the plural in the valleys. In other words, he's your lily in your valley, and he's my lily in my valley. He's the lily of the valleys. He can be in your valley as well as in my valley. He can be in a million, trillion valleys at one time, For he is the great eternal spirit of God. He can be everywhere, everything, and he can do all things that you can't do, that you can't come through, and that you really need. He can be everything. Keeping Christ at the center. Sometimes I have to, when I study these things and read them and pray about them, I have to go over them over and over and over them because I have to practice what I preach and sometimes I fail. And God brings to my remembrance the word of God which he first gave to me before I give to you. Remember when the Lord Jesus was feeding the multitude? He broke the bread and the fish and gave first to the disciples who gave to the crowd. Disciples, look, those who are close to me, following me, here's the bread, here's the fish. Put it in your hands. See the experience now. What you experience from me, you go and give to them. And you know, if we don't come through things and experience things ourselves straight from God, we get very little to give to other people. When we get to our reading today, in Daniel 4 verses 1, 2 and 3, Notice the language of Nebuchadnezzar. He's speaking to all the people that dwell in the earth. 
And he says, I thought it good to show you the signs and wonders. Hey. He says, I want to tell you about the God of heaven. And we can talk about revival, and we can talk about signs, and we can talk about wonders, but we need to receive them as an individual. We need to receive them as a church, that we can show them to people out there and say, I want to tell you about Jesus. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. Just like the bread and the fish was given out. And here is an, if you want a a heathen king, not of God's covenant people. Look what he says. I thought it good to show you the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. I want to tell you about the goodness of God. You know, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. When you realize how good God is, you'll want to serve God. When you realize how gracious he's been to you, you'll want to follow a heart after him. When you realize how merciful he is and how loving and kind our God really is, it will lead you to a place of changing your life in order to serve and love him. When we look and see how good God has been to us on the left hand and on the right, how God has brought us through things, how God has blessed us in things, you and I will realize, look around you, look at your family and your friends, even material and temporal blessings. Common grace to all men. And we should see it and we should turn from our ways to serve the living God. How much do you love me, Lord? He says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. The greatest act of loving kindness ever displayed by anyone or even by God himself was when he manifest, displayed, revealed his love to human eyes on the cross when Jesus bled and died for us. Greatest act of love. Our God is good all the time. I want to let you know something. See your illness or your sickness and your worries and your troubles. God didn't give you it. God loves you. God's a good God, but the devil's a bad devil. And we are in a world of sin and sickness. You know why? Because Adam fell and the curse came. But you and I are to, to be overcomers. You and I are to rise above. You and I are to go through with flying colors. You and I are to have an inward uh, exchange and experience and turnaround that you and I will be able to cope, will be able to take charge of the situation that's around us, not the situation that's around us taking charge of us. Now, when I say I failed, the two days ago, I had a bad day. Anybody ever have a bad day? I had a bad day. Yesterday wasn't great either, but I had a bad day Friday. I had a really bad day on Friday. <laughs> and oh, I found it hard to stop the emotions rising in me, whether 
it be stress or fear or anxiety. They're all going around me and I find it hard. I was on my knees, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. All day, Lord, help me. And I struggled the whole day. I'm just being honest with you because people think that the pastor's got it all together. But what I'm saying to you is how do we get through? How one gets through, we all get through. We get through in the grace of God. Praying and trusting God that he will bring us through. Here we have. Here we have God who is good all the time. And even though I had a bad day, mine eyes were still focused on the goodness, on the grace of God saying, Lord, I can't change this situation. I see you moving. I see you blessing. I see you helping, Lord, but what's going on? And I couldn't understand it, so I'm placing it in his hands, knowing that he will work all things out for the good. And that he is God who can do the impossible with man. Look at chapter 4 of Daniel. First, 2, he says, God was good to me. We have a good God. First, 3 says, how great are his signs. He magnifies God. Then he says, you want to see what God can really do? You want to see when God moves? You want to see when God changes? You want to see when God blesses? You want to see that God can even move nations? He can take down princes and kings and raise up other ones. He says, our God is a good God, he's telling us. Nebuchadnezzar needed a change of mind. And that's what a lot of us need, changing our mind. Changing our mind in impossibility. Can't happen. Yes, it can. With God, all things are possible. Changing our mind when we're looking at loved ones that are sick. Yes, God, you can still raise them up. Changing our mind when we feel we're not going to be able to get out of a circumstance or a situation. Lord, you are in control of all things. So, Lord, my mind says that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Changing our hearts and our minds when inwardly we feel lower as low can low can be. As your man says, lower than a snake's belly. Changing our minds. We're not conformed to this world. Conformed to the world that's around us. But we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Taking us from... Those feelings I had and others' feelings like sadness and depression and saying, Lord, this is how I feel. But your word says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Changing our minds to the word of God. 
having a mindset that changes. Nebuchadnezzar had a mindset change. A change of heart and a change of mind. A repentance, in other words. Look at this here. Verse 3. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom. Now notice the word his. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. I'm going to have to do three weeks in this. Last week was the first. This is the second. Next week, God willing, in the Lord's will will finish. I'll tell you why. Because I'm only starting on week one really now. I showed you last week how Nebuchadnezzar was called, his kingdom was called a head of gold. Remember? In our reading in chapter 4, I'll bring you through that in a moment. He shows Daniel a dream he had, tells Daniel of a dream. Daniel interprets, he sees a great tree and the beasts of the field are under it. Speaks of all the other peoples of the nations and on the branches, the birds, and there's fruit on it. And it's a mighty tree, fills the whole earth. This is the Babylonian kingdom. He can't understand it. And Daniel, whom he says, the spirits of the gods, i.e., Nebuchadnezzar's gods are in him. In other words, something different about you, Daniel. I can see you're special. And Daniel interprets the dream and tells him that the dream is his kingdom. You can read that when you go home. The dream is his, uh, of the tree is his kingdom. It's going to be cut down to pieces. Okay? So it's going to be cut down. The beasts or the, the nations are going to be scattered away from it. The birds are going to be scattered away from it. All these things are going to happen. Look what it says in verse 13. And I I saw in a vision of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher, and an holy one came down from heaven. He cried and said thus, Hew down the tree, cut off his branches, shake off his leaves, and scatter his fruit. Let the beasts get away from under it, and the fowls of heaven from his branches. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to come to nothing. It's all going to go wrong. Everything will go wrong. You're going to lose your kingdom. You're going to lose your power. You're going to lose your authority. You're going to lose everything. He even loses his own mind. Can I say something that maybe sometimes we need to lose our own mind that we may gain the mind of Christ? That's what was happening to Nebuchadnezzar. Look at verse 15. After all this devastation, he says, Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, and the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from a man's heart. Let it be like a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to go into a state of mental disability. Depression. You're going to lose everything. Now, see if that was told you, what would you do? What if you were told, you know, see the kingdom 
that you have. You haven't given thanks to God and you've been unfaithful for it. It's all gonna, you're going to lose it all. What would you do when all goes wrong? Turn to verse 15. Here is a word of hope. Here is, as I said last week, a word of love and of grace and of mercy. Nevertheless, leave the stump of the roots in the earth with a band of iron and brass. The Lord was saying, you'll lose everything. You'll go through a trial you've never went through before. Even your own very physical, mental well-being. He says, no one will want you. You'll become an outcast. No one will speak to you. You'll go out there. You'll be like an animal running about. You'll be like a beast. Why, somebody like that nowadays, you know, we lock them up. End of story. Nothing we can do for them. What happens when things start going wrong in your life and things start falling away and you're losing grip and grasp and you think your whole world is falling down around you and you're going, what's next, Lord? And maybe you do take a little bit elder. What, what, what happens? There's a word, one line, in verse 15 that gives Nebuchadnezzar every single bit of hope and promise he needs. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth. See the stump, he says. It's there for a reason. The roots in the earth are that death won't come, that you will have life again. See the stump, he says, put a, an iron, a brass, a, a, an iron around it that it will keep it together, that Others won't pull it up and pull it out, that it will be protected. This is my decree and my law, says the Lord. He says, now, you're going to go through so much. But Stumpy, you're going to start to live again. The return of Stumpy. Should have called it that, shouldn't it? Maybe sometimes our lives, things going wrong, left, right and centre, spinning plates, you're trying to keep them on and you're spinning and they start crashing down around us and we don't know what to do. We don't know what way to look. We don't know where to go. The Lord says, look, you might feel like that, but I'm bringing you through something. I'm allowing this to happen because I have a plan and I have a purpose for you. Why did Jesus go into the wilderness? after his baptism, and the Holy Ghost came on. Why? Why was the devil allowed to tempt him? And he was there starving with hunger for 40 days and thirsting for 40 nights. And his father allowed Satan to come and tempt him. Why? Just to prove him. He was a man. He was of the seed of Abraham. He was flesh and blood and bone like you and I are. The Father knew in him would be no sin. The Father knew that he would come through. The Father knew that he had his vision, his plan and his purpose. But the Father was showing the devil where he can go. 
See, when you're trusting Christ, no matter what you're going through, and you feel your life has been decimated around you, torn down and obliterated, taken away, even by force, you can be reassured that the Lord says, ha, 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 that's my child, leave the stump. I have a plan for her. I have a purpose for her. I have something for their life. I want to show you something. I'm going to round it up. And then maybe, God willing, next week, we'll look at it. I told you this last week, we'll talk about a 400-foot mountain, didn't it? Well, Nebuchadnezzar uh, had built the, the, the city of Babylon. Daniel chapter 10. Um, Daniel chapter, sorry, my apologies. Daniel chapter 4, verse 10. My apologies. Daniel chapter 4. Thus were the visions of mine head. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. Now here, Dan, uh, Nebuchadnezzar sees this mighty kingdom. And he sees all the nations coming to him. And he sees they're all coming under his branches. Like the British Commonwealth is today. Only here in ancient times, here is the replica. Satan always tries to replica the kingdom of God. Now listen to, uh, he builds the city of Babylon in the middle. Took you to Genesis chapter 10 last week, showed how Nimrod built the tower, as it were, to heaven or to worship, to, to reach heaven by their works. God came down and scattered it, and Babel is where we get the name Babylon from, and it means confusion. God confused their language and so on. Now look how he builds, Nebuchadnezzar, how he builds Babylon. Let me give you some dimensions of this city. Babylon, to go around it, was 60 miles around. A city of 60 miles of circumference. There were some 2 million men employed to work on its walls. They can tell us by all the cuneiform tablets, thousands of them they have found. Instead of us writing in pen and paper, they had it all in tablets of clay. Thousands of them. 2 million men were employed to work on the walls and there were 25 gates of solid brass on, the, on each side of the square city. Now you go into the book of Revelation, you'll start seeing things that we're not going to it today. I'm actually going to touch maybe a little on it tonight. But you'll find that, that there's a square city. We get the four square gospel. We get the, the square city. The, we, we get the height of it and the dimensions of it. We get the gates mentioned on it. Gates of pearl and so on. And all of this, the precious stones are all of God. They're all Israelite in origin and of God's redemption and his redeemed people and city. And here the devil has something that, that mimics that. See, the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation are mirrors to one another. Daniel is shut up and closed in, in prophetic terms and Revelation is opened and revealed. And you'll see the mirror of them together. So there were two million men worked on it, 25 gates of solid brass on each side of the square city, and between every two gates, there sprang up a great watchtower. There's great watchtowers right around in between every two gates. Inside the gate was a, was a road. 
There were 50 roads running across between every gate. 50 roads. They were in total 15 miles long each. Every house had gardens. There's no terraced houses. The city was irrigated and piped from the river Euphrates. Oh, it was beautiful. Hanging gardens of Babylon, one of the, the, the ancient wonders of the world was there. This city was a magnificent sight. The palace stood at each end of the Euphrates Bridge and one palace was almost two miles around if you wanted to walk around the, the palace. And the other was seven and a half miles around it. Seven and a half miles to walk around his house. His wife grew up, as I said last week, in Media. Media was a more northern region and Media was a mountainous area. And she couldn't stand the flat land. You have like the plains of Dura, D-U-R-A. Hated the flat land. And so he built her a 400 foot high mountain in the middle of the city. And he surrounded it with palaces for her. Either he really loved her or she was a real moan. Nobody loves anybody that much, do they? (laughs) Except for me loving my wife. (laughs) I think that's bad. My father-in-law says he built a shed. But that was for himself. (laughs) No one to hide or what it's for today. (laughs) A 400 foot high mountain in the middle of the city surrounded by palaces for her. So that she would feel at home. When you came to the city, it had great walls, massive walls. And the outside wall was called Nemitibel. That's what they called the wall, Nemitibel. And it comes from the god Bel. The god Bel was the moon god, again, Allah from Islam, the moon god. And you can see how it linked into pagan and then into papal Romanism. Worship of mother and child. That was all from here. Samaramus and Nimrod and all those things. That's another story. But Baal means vain or vanity. Vanity or smallness meaning nothing. That's sort of a, that's the idea it gives. In other words, when we think of Cain and Abel, Abel is Abel. And the word Baal is not taken after the God, but it means vanity and it means that his breath was taken away in a young age. What is your life? But as a, a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away, James says. That's what it means. Your, your life is short. Get right with Christ or you could die without him. So vanity, vapor. Namiti Bell means the first outer wall, foundation of God. So the foundation that they relied on to protect them was Baal. This great wall is impregnable. This is Baal's foundation. Then when you go inside one of the great gates, you had the inner wall, and the inner wall was called Imgerbel. And Imgerbel means Baal, our God, is a gracious God. That's the inner wall. 
Of these great gates around it, you had the most famous or the, the main gate we spoke of it last week was the Ishtar Gate, which is from Ashtarte, Ashtaroth worship, which came from Nimrod's wife. That's where you get mother and child from. Ishtar Easter Gate. Bell is our foundation as they go in the Ishtar Gate. They come to the inner walls of protection. Our God, Bell, has been so gracious. And they go on the main road in toward the palace and facing up toward the mountain. They have the road called Belmerdoch. And it means the procession. It means the sacred way. Right to Nebuchadnezzar's palace. So you can see what Nebuchadnezzar was building. He stands out in his house and he's walking around one day and he says, Am I great? My hands have done this by my God. And a voice from heaven says, while the word was in his mouth, You're like a great tree and I will strip you down. But in my mercy, I will leave the stump and show you who God is. Here's a thought for someone, maybe you're not saved. How many things has to happen? How many times has God blessed you? How many things has God brought you through? How many warnings have you had? How many blessings and gracious touch of the Lord have you had and you've never yielded to Christ yet? What if God said, from now on, you will learn that I am God. Off you go. Let the devil at you. What would you do? There was an inscription found, and with this I close. There's more to tell you next week. There was an inscription found in Babylon, which Nebuchadnezzar had written in clay. Let me read it to you. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the mighty lord, the chosen of Merodach, the worshipper of Nebo, the king vicar, who judges without injustice. I have built like a mountain. I have built at Babylon. Thus have I strengthened and entirely protected the whole country of Babylon. Then he says, By thy help, O mighty Marodak, I have built this house. Twelve months later, we look at it next week, we'll look at the other kingdoms. I want to show you how God had a plan and a purpose through bringing Nebuchadnezzar and changing his heart, how he had a plan and a purpose for another kingdom to come, that God would allow the Judaites or the Jews to go back into Palestine in order to set up the walls in the temple. God was a way ahead of them. And I want you to know something. God is already a way ahead of you. God is already working out your today. God is working out your tomorrow. He's already moving people and places and things and saving others that will be able to come in and bless you and help you and strengthen you. God is a way ahead of you. He's in your future waiting for you to arrive. God bless his word this morning. Thank you for your attention.